My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer and more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Hello, everyone. This is Gail, a.k.a. Sunshine, bringing you another campfire chat. Today, I have Edie, a.k.a. Blaze Harrison with me. So, Edie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for for weeks. It's in the perfect month for a colon cancer That's right. Why is it? Let's start there. Why is it the perfect month for your March is colorectal cancer awareness month. So we're just about at the end. So we're squeezing it in just in time. And if I'm not mistaken, today itself is particularly important for your story. So I'm actually going to hold that thought and we will get there. So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and then don't forget one fun fact. Okay. Well, I've lived in and around Philadelphia for pretty much my whole life with a brief little jaunt into New Jersey for a little bit. Right now I live in the suburbs of Philadelphia in a place called Chesterbrook, which was just voted like the best place to live in the country, apparently. Well, congratulations Um, for living there. It is pretty awesome here. Um, I have a daughter. She is 19 years old. Her name is Casey, and she just started college. She's in her freshman year at the University of Delaware. She is studying wildlife ecology and conservation, Um, and she's a pretty cool kid, pretty cool adult. I have to start thinking of her that way, but she's rocking college, and she's on spring break. She's home now, but she's working today. She works at Hip City Veg, which is a vegan fast food place not far from here. And for work, I work for an agency called Kencrest Services, K-E-N, Kencrest. I've worked there for just have my 25th anniversary. Uh, my background's in special education. Um, I've worked in fifth grade, I've mostly early intervention. That's kind of my, my jam. I like the little kids. Um, but for the last four years, I've been a director of the Birth to Three Program Services, where we arrange therapists to go into homes and work with families of infants and toddlers that have some delays or special needs. Um, So I've been liking that, but I'm on target to um, retire at 55, which is two and a half years from now. Soft retire. Congratulations. I am. uh, I love my work, but especially after cancer, time is precious. So yeah, definitely. So give us one, one fun fact. Yes. One fun fact. Um, My daughter and I, love to travel and we vacation together very well. And for the last few years, we've been trying to do kind of road trips to see as much of the United States from the ground level as we can. So last summer we did Route 66 across the country and then down south. So we saw about 17 states over three weeks, 6,000 miles we drove. This year we're going to do the Northeast with Boston, 
Bar Harbor. And next year, we're going to do the Pacific Northwest. So after that, we'll do Alaska and we'll pretty much have hit. <laughs> it's interesting. It will have hit most of the United States. And it's interesting seeing how different the different areas are because we grew up, I grew up in kind of an urban area. Yeah. So, but we love traveling and we are looking that forward to our awesome. newest one. Do you guys listen to books on uh, audio, but I was gonna say books on tape. That shows you my age. Um, <laughs> audio books <laughs> when you're traveling. No, she actually, she plays DJ. So I get to okay. hear all the latest like music, all the young folks are listening to. So she keeps you hip. Very good. She does. I yep. love it. All right. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your diagnosis story. Um, when symptoms, your treatment plan, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, my like cancer origin story is actually kind of boring. I really, it, I didn't have symptoms. I turned 50 and my doctor said, it's time for you to get a colonoscopy. But since you have no risk, no family history, let's start with a cologuard because you know, you're probably fine. Um, so we did a cologuard and in January of 2021, I got a call with the results for that saying it was positive. Oh. Um, and I was, I was clueless. I marvel at how clueless I was because I had no doubt. I Googled like false positive rate. I'm like, oh, 12%. It's a false positive. Okay. So I have my um, colonoscopy set for set March 29th, 2021. So Here two years ago today, um, did all the prep, went in. Um, Everything was going fine. When I woke up, there was the GI doctor sitting there waiting for me to wake up, which I know now is not the norm. Usually it's just a nurse it's making sure you're okay and sends you on your way. But um, I was still groggy and she started showing me pictures of this mass oh, that was gosh. right on the border of my colon and rectum. Um, pretty big mass. She didn't use the word cancer though, but mm. she said, you know, they would do a biopsy, um, but I would need surgery for sure. So I went home still clueless thinking, I just have a mass, I'll get surgery and boom, I'll be done. But um, two days later, she called me at work to say, you know, it's cancer um, and things I had already had, you know, for three to four weeks in the future, all scans set up um, just to rule things out. So as soon as I got off the phone with her, this nice man named Chris, incidentally enough, called from the doctor's office and just nonchalantly moved everything up till the next week. So oh, that's was my first hint that like, oh, this is this is really serious. They want this to move fast. Yeah. So I had tons of tests and scans. I got my treatment at Abramson Cancer Center in Philadelphia. And the first really scary moment was um, a result that popped in. All my blood results looked really good. So I was thinking, oh, okay, they're all in the normal range. And I was at Great Adventure, this amusement park with my brother and his kids. And one more result popped into my portal, which I had never heard before. It said CEA, carcinoembryonic antigen, which is a scary darn phrase well, to yeah. writing. <laughs> and it said 91.9. And I was like, oh, it, it didn't even have a range there. It just had the number. So I Googled the range and normal range is like 4.7 and under. Oh. And it said like basically anything over that could be extensive disease. And I was like, well, that's it. I have oh, stage gosh. four. I don't know how long I have left, but I so you read that terrified. result before the doctor actually told you about the number, explained yeah. what it might mean or anything. Yeah, right. Right. Apparently before my diagnosis, they changed the law where the doctors couldn't withhold results oh. until they talk to you. It just pops into the portal when it comes through and you can see it in all its glory and all your non-medical knowledge. <laughs> try to So interpret how it. did you respond in that moment? I mean, you're at an amusement park. <laughs> yeah, I just... 
luckily it was a distraction. So, yeah. you know, I could only get so far into my head, but, you know, it was just, it was, that was, that was the first time I was, I kind of thought like, oh, I might not come out of this, this, I just, I'd always been so healthy and never had any really serious illnesses. I hadn't had anesthesia to my colonoscopy. So I felt like betrayed by my body. Mm. Like, like it was hiding this horrible secret from me. And I really didn't have any history, risk factors, no real symptoms. Um, So thank goodness for screening because that saved my life. Yeah. Um, So after they got that result, is that when it kind of kicked off did they do surgery first or did they do treatment first? Yeah, it was an interesting, well, they first had to check. Um, they have a tumor board at the Abramson Cancer Center, which I love. So I didn't get a mm-hmm. second opinion because I was confident in my oncologist. Apparently, you know, my kind of cancer has a pretty typical treatment regimen. Um, and they had the tumor board. So they talked with all the specialists to agree on the plan. But first they had, I had some spots on my liver and spleen that they mm-hmm. weren't they went to check out. Turns out those are just cysts. Apparently everyone's walking around with weird things in them, but usually you don't know it because you're not scanned out the wazoo from top to bottom. Exactly. So that was normal. Um, so then after all the tests were done, I had my first meeting with my oncologist. My mom was there so we could pull together the whole story of my cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said it was a very locally advanced tumor. You know, he had gone all the way through the colon wall into the blood vessels, which is a risk factor into the lymph nodes, but had not spread anywhere. So it was stage 3B. I didn't know the stages had stages, but they do. It was the number of lymph nodes that decide what stage 3 ABC was. Um, So he they decided to classify it as rectal cancer, even though it was on the border, because Mm -hmm. they treat that in something called neoadjuvant treatment, which means I had the chemo and the chemo radiation first to try to shrink the tumor down as much as possible so that hopefully the surgery has less of an impact on your ultimate functioning. Mm -hmm. Because with everything down there, if they have to take out too much, then, you know, you could have a permanent ostomy, um, which I didn't care about because I just wanted to live and see my daughter grow up. But it's, it moved really fast. So I had my colonoscopy on the 29th of March. They put my port in on April 13th. I had my first chemo on April 23rd. So in less than a wow. month, I was in the chemo chair. And I had a chemo called Folfox. And that was for four or five hours a session. And then they had to hook me up to a portable pump to wear for the next like 48 hours because that drug that has to drip in really slowly. Um, Mm. So I had eight rounds of that chemo and I did something called icing. Thank goodness. I'm like a researcher online. So I got on the support boards and I learned so much that, you know, the uh, Folfox is a really bad neurotoxin, causes really bad um, oh, neuropathy. neuropathies and um, cold sensitivity and all kinds of things. But I, every session, I would put my feet on ice, hold frozen water bottles and suck on ice cubes. And that keeps the worst of it from getting to your extremities. So that really saved me from a lot of the long lasting neuropathy that a lot of people have. Um, and also I named, I named everything cause it was less scary to talk about if I named my tumor Lumfrey, I'm like, that's a pretty pathetic name. So he was Lumfrey. Love it. My port was Romeo. Cause he drank the poison. The electron, this, um, radiation beam was Electra. She was like a superhero that was zapping Lumfrey. They were battling. So I had CaringBridge. I don't know if you've heard of CaringBridge, yes. but that's how I shared my updates with everyone. So I could just put it in one place and everybody could kind of read it and comment on it. Um, But when I talk to people in person, I find myself softening the blow. Like, yes, I have Mm. cancer. I'm going through treatment, but it looks like I'll be fine. So I always had to do the, but like to make them okay. Yeah. um, 
and <laughs> a term I heard on the support boards, they called kind of people that had never had cancer, they called them muggles. Like, I don't know if you heard the term Harry muggles Potter. from Harry oh, Potter, yeah. <laughs> they're people that don't have magic. And it's not like, it wasn't said in a derogatory way, but more like endearing, like they do their best to try to understand and support, but they don't really know what it's like. Mm -hmm. So um, when I talk to the muggles, I've tried to keep it low key, but on the support boards, then you could really kind of just let it all out. Yeah. Now you mentioned your, your mom went with you to find out. So how did you tell your daughter and what did you tell her? How, how much information did you give her? So she would have been about what? 17? She was 17 at the time. Yep. Junior in high school. I, well, she knew all along the way because she knew that my Cologuard was positive. And then she knew that I was having this colonoscopy. Um, And then she knew I had a mask. So she kind of learned it with me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I stayed upbeat with her and, you know, we're, each step. So she kind of got to learn it a little at a time. So she didn't just get hit with cancer all at once. She got to learn it along the way. And she, she was, you know, didn't really show a lot of the emotion to me. I didn't really know how it impacted her until she wrote an essay for college, a college um, scholarship. They have scholarships Mm -hmm. for kids of parents with cancer. So when I read that, that was, then I saw what she really went through. So, so since she wrote that, have you talked about it more? Have you, has Um, it opened up the conversation in other words? Not much. I mean, because I came through treatment so kind of unscathed. I had chemo, I had chemo radiation for 26 sessions, had surgery, temporary ostomy, and then they reversed the ostomy. So that was all within kind of one year. And when it was, I worked all the way through it. We went on vacation in between chemo sessions. We went to Santa Monica, like right in between. So we didn't really have to change life much and I didn't yeah. seem really sick. So, so you talked a little bit about having to, I guess, soften the blow for the muggles and for other yeah. people you're telling beneath that, what was the mental and emotional impact on you finding out you have cancer, worrying about your daughter, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, at the very beginning, when I first got the diagnosis, I started doing like a video log of myself. So I like put Mm -hmm. on a bathing suit, like, here's what I looked before the port, before ostomy, before all the changes. And I kind of just talked about whatever was in my head. And I've watched the first one. It took me a while to watch it because that was a really emotional one. I did not know at that point whether I was going to beat the cancer. So I wasn't upset at the thought of dying myself. I've lived a good life. I've done a lot of the things I wanted to do. It was thought of my daughter and leaving Mm -hmm. her and that being her story that her mother died young. That's what got me. And I would cry at least once a day in the car is where it would kind of let loose and it's five minutes and I'd pull it together. But that was the thought that got me was just leaving her behind. Yeah. I think a lot of us have cried to the steering wheel of our cars for sure. (laughs) Yep. So how did you find out about Epic Experience? Um, I found out about Epic Experience because during treatment, I'm thinking, well, if I got to go through this, let me see what's out there for cancer folks. So I Googled and that was one of the um, support organizations and they happened to have a, um, a regional meetup that was coming up, a kayaking excursion. So I signed up for that and I went to that and I did also see about the camps, but they had they weren't taking applications at that time yet. Um, so I had a great time at the excursion. I met B, Sabine, mm-hmm. and uh, che- che- Cheeto, che- Cheese It. Cheese it. it. <laughs> and then when the camp opened up, I signed up. But, you know, we were just opening back up camps from COVID. And I thought it would be a few years. So I filled out the application. 
kind of forgot about it. But a few weeks later, I got a call saying, do you want to go in March? And I think that was February. Awesome. So I said, sure. And in March, I went. <clears throat> so it sounded like prior to camp, you were pretty active. You mm -hmm. had gotten back to traveling and doing these things. Where else were you mentally and emotionally in terms of thinking, what is camp going to do for you? Like, where were you and what were your expectations? Mm -hmm. I think what I, what I was feeling right before camp, you know, I was kind of just, but that was March. I was just kind of a year out from treatment. Yeah. So it had been a year, like January, my surgery date, January 19th, 2022 is what I consider my kind of like Ned anniversary, no yeah. evidence of disease. So it'd been a year. So I'm thinking I still had so much emotion and spent mm. so much time thinking about cancer and my experience and kind of reliving it. And so in my head, I'm thinking like, shouldn't I just be moving on from this already? I mean, I, I'm done. I'm cancer free. I came through it pretty unscathed. So is, is it, am I just not, is it just me being too neurotic? Um, so at camp, it was it was great to be around people that kind of got it and had been there and realized that like, you're just out of treatment, really. Like, got to give yourself some grace. And it's probably going to be the rest of your life to some degree. I mean, I consider yeah. it BC and AC before cancer, That's life right. and yes. after cancer. And it's very, very different. Yeah, um, definitely. Were you expecting to connect with people on that level in terms of I guess, getting that affirmation that it is okay that I'm still dealing with this. Yeah, um, I didn't, I kind of went in with no expectations, just hopes. I'm kind of a, I like kind of connecting with people and I'm open book. So I pretty, was pretty sure I would connect on that level, but learning kind of how normal I was in that yeah. was, that was an added bonus. And the, the physical activities, are, are you active anyway? Is that kind of mm -hmm. part of your... I guess it why. is. It yeah. is. And I've always been kind of active and I've gained and lost the same 40 pounds like four times <laughs> in my life. And right before diagnosis, I had just, I wanted to be fit and under 150 by 50. That was my thing. And I pretty much got there. Um, so I was as healthy as I'd been in a while. And then I got the diagnosis and it was like, I just went through all this and now I have cancer. But I had to flip that and think like, I'm going into treatment strong, as strong exactly. as I've ever been. So yeah. I think that's part of the reason why I did so well with it. And so I tried to stay active during treatment. I did, I do hiking. Walking is kind of my therapy. Mm -hmm. So I live right on the outskirts of Valley Forge National Park. I mm -hmm. hike in there all the time. So I was able, right before I started treatment, I did like a 10 mile hike in this meetup group because I didn't know when I'd be able to hike again. Yeah. So that was my last hurrah. And so with camp, it was great because I didn't know how well I'd be able to do everything. So I haven't done a lot. Of, I've never snowshoed. I didn't know yeah. kind of, I still have some neuropathy in my feet. It's almost gone, but I was pleasantly surprised in how well I was able to kind of keep up with everything. I felt good to be so physically active for such a series of days in a row. Yeah, definitely. So now you've come home, right? And you've, yep. I know you just recently attended camp. So you've been home for what, two, three weeks? Yeah, about that. So, and again, I had the privilege of being one of the volunteers at the camp that uh, Blaze attended. So what have you taken home with you? What is different now, either in your outlook or in your activity level um, than before you went to camp? One, just like I said, giving myself that grace that I'm, I'm normal. I'm really, even though it seems to me like it's been a year, that's really not much time in cancer years mm -hmm. to be like out of treatment. So 
kind of not feeling as um, guilty when I do kind of go into those little mental doom spirals. Like what if, like I I had a lot of food fears and product fears when I was done with treatment. Like I didn't want to eat anything that had anything artificial processed. Mm -hmm. I went through all of my beauty products and household products and like cleaned out all the toxins there. Um, And so at camp, I was able to loosen up kind of the food fears and eat things. Cause you know, I wasn't prepping everything. It was healthy food, but you know, I didn't know all the ingredients and that was like, that was kind of way off <laughs> the path for me at that point. Um, so it really kind of helped to kind of bring me back to my myself when it came to things like that. Yeah. That's awesome. So is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you would share with someone listening, whether it's someone who is newly diagnosed or a caregiver, or a family member, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, one, like one thing I wasn't prepared for when I went through the treatment, there's so many weird things with it between the ostomy and the, the portable chemo pump. But when they did the ostomy reversal, people need to be prepared. Like they don't all do it this way, but they left the wound open to close on its own from the inside out so you don't get an infection. Oh, wow. But it was a horrific looking thing. You had to keep it packed, but it was it was horrible. So that was very shocking to have to kind of look at that in the mirror, but it, it closed up. I couldn't believe it was going to close up, but it did. So be prepared for that if you're going <laughs> through it. But basically my takeaway, especially in March, colorectal cancer awareness month is get your scopes, people. Mm-hmm. The colonoscopy, I know people dread it and they want to avoid it, but it is not as bad as treatment and possibly dying. So get your scopes. It used to be 50. A lot of insurances will cover it at 45 now, Mm -hmm. Um, but younger and younger people are getting it. So if you're young and you're concerned with symptoms, like keep pushing because a lot of doctors will say, no, it couldn't be cancer, but if it's caught early, it's very treatable. But if it's not, I asked my oncologist once, you know, if I hadn't caught this, how much longer would I have had? And it's a slow growing cancer. So I figured, you know, five years, at least he said one to two years. And that just, they caught it just in the nick of time. Like that wigs me out to think about like not even enough time to see my daughter graduate college. So so push for it early treatment. It's a what they call wimpy cancer, which, you know, kind of rolls over and plays dead with treatment relatively easily. Not that any cancer is wimpy or you better than right. any other, but yeah, get definitely, your scopes. definitely get, get your scopes. I love it. Well, last final question, marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy. I do slow and steady double roast. So wow. Please roast share. It slow and steady. So it gets nice and brown, but then you can slip off the outer layer, eat that, and then roast it again and eat the middle. Mind blown. That is that's, wonderful. That's what I do. Well, thank you. I have learned something <laughs> that I am going to try that next time I have the Double opportunity. Roast. Well, Edie, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, especially because today is such an important day uh, in your own diagnosis story. Uh, it's really cool that we got to chat today. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for giving me the opportunity. It's great seeing you again, too. And to everyone else, until the next time we gather around the campfire, keep living beyond cancer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. 
For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode.